Welcome to the Words in Mind pandemic podcast, keeping you company while we are all stuck indoors. The first of my poems for recovery is a poem that meant a lot to me back in the year 2006. I'll talk a little bit about why in a minute. The poem is written by Portia Nelson. Portia was an actress, a songwriter and a singer. Portia battled cancer throughout her life. She developed throat cancer in the 1970s and that eventually robbed her of her soprano voice, which meant that Portia had to adapt the way that she performed and she also wrote a number of songs. The poem that I've chosen for this period of my life comes from Portia Nelson's collection of books, There's a Hole in My Sidewalk, The Romance of Self-Discovery. This anthology of poems was published in 1993. If you look out for it, in the film Goodwill Hunting, the psychologist played by Robin Williams has a poster of the cover of There's a Hole in My Sidewalk on his office wall. This poem became a very popular poem in the recovery movement in the late 90s. It featured in Roseanne Barr's autobiography and jazz singer Diana Reeves also set the poem to music on her live CD, In the Moment. The poem itself is set in five stanzas and I often find it helpful to look at each stanza, perhaps even to print the poem cut it up and set it out as five points in a journey. I picked this poem because in 2006 I was taking a journey of my own. I was taking two buses across Bradford to get to the mental hospital on the top of the hill so that I could take part in behavioural therapy. This behavioural therapy was happening in groups. There was the expectation that I would be there every week that I would have practiced my skills, I would have filled out a worksheet and reflected on how it had gone for me. I was quite naive at that point in my life. I believed that if I showed up, then a therapist would fix me and that I would be better and I'd never have to deal with mental illness again and I could be a normal person or what I believed was normal at the time. Even though I did get on two buses across town every week, sometimes twice a week, and I did fill my worksheets out. I struggled a lot because behaviour is very difficult to change. And there were lots of self-destructive ways I was coping with my mental health. And those ways slowly needed replacing bit by bit by healthier coping mechanisms. It was not an easy process. I would ride the bus up the steep hill. And I'd usually get off the stop of the bus a stop early because I was embarrassed to be seen getting off the bus in front of the mental hospital. I didn't know it at the time, but a hundred years earlier, the local workhouse union had decided to take a group of difficult, disruptive patients, patients who'd failed to respond to the workhouse treatment program of hard physical labour and food dosed with sodium bromide. And these patients were housed in a set of little cottages on the top of the hill. They were given a caretaker, fresh air, and they were not medicated. They were allowed to live their lives together in peace. 
and those people did find some recovery and some peace in their later years. Those cottages became the basis of the buildings that form the mental hospital Linfield Mount that sits on the top of Daisy Hill in Bradford, the same buildings I was travelling to every week. I didn't know at the time how far I had to go or how many times I had to fall, but recovery was out there and it was waiting for me. So I'd like to share this first poem with you as an acknowledgement that when you start off on a recovery journey from mental health, it's very, very difficult and painful and dispiriting and embarrassing. It's all of those things. But that bit by bit, things do begin to change and self-destructive behaviour can be replaced with healthier, kinder ways to deal with what you're going through. When I think about this poem, I think as well of Portia, of her battle with cancer. Although she had a throat cancer in the early 70s, she developed breast cancer a few years before she wrote and released this poem. And that breast cancer came back and claimed her life in 2001. I don't know, but I like to think that Portia wrote this poem out of a persistence and a determination to see her way through cancer and live the life that she wanted. This is Portia Nelson's autobiography in five short chapters. Chapter one. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm lost. I'm helpless and this isn't my fault. It takes me forever to find a way out. Chapter two. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. It still takes a long time to get out. Chapter three. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it's there. I still fall in. It's a habit. My eyes are open. I know where I am. It is my fault. I get out immediately. Chapter four. I walk down the same street. There is a deep hole in the sidewalk. I walk around it. Chapter five. I walk down another street. is 2008. The morning sun is beginning to stream in through the window and the lilac emulsion on top of the wood chip wall is starting to glow slightly. I am incredibly, incredibly depressed. The thought of opening my eyes and starting my day is physically painful. This is probably the most unwell I feel I'm going to be. I've already been in hospital last month. The community mental health team are threatening to section me if I don't contemplate going into hospital again. Everything feels difficult. It's hard to know if it's because my life is stressful right now or because I'm just so suicidal. 
I can't bear the thought of getting up, wandering to the bathroom, getting in the cold porcelain bathtub and rinsing my hair with a jug because we don't have a shower. I can't remember if I've bought any food. I'm worried that the cupboards in the kitchen are empty. But I know that if I don't get up and try and have some kind of wash, I'll still be here in bed, paralysed, at four o'clock in the afternoon, only by then I'll feel guilty and awful for not having got up and got dressed. I pull a t-shirt and shorts on, and I walk into the kitchen. This little flat has a 1960s kitchen, with lemon-covered doors. It's hideous. As I put the kettle on, I look at one of the cupboard doors. I've tried to decorate them with postcards and poems and bits and bobs, and I've pinned a poem onto the cupboard door. I think I must have been having a better day, and I must have left this poem here for myself to encourage me on a day like this. 2008 is going to be a difficult year for everybody. So many difficult things are happening. There'll be flooding, mass flooding. There'll be earthquakes in Lincoln and Herefordshire and a plane crash in Hampshire. A global, a global recession is going to creep up on us and the politicians' expenses scandal is going to start to appear. This poem got me through quite a difficult year and it's one that I turn to whenever the news is bleak and things seem to be going wrong. It was written by Tyanat Han, who is a Vietnamese poet. He wrote this in Plum Village, which is a Buddhist community in France. Tainat Han has been displaced from Vietnam by the conflict there. He lived through a war and he writes quite often about that. This Buddhist monastic community is a place where people can go and develop compassion and mindfulness. And the poem I've chosen by Tainat Han is very much about mindfulness. But more than that, it's about putting your mind on the good news, on the things that are happening now that you can tap into and enjoy. It was a very difficult year and I'm not sure that I did always look to the good news. But this poem remained on the cupboard door. And when I lost that flat and had to start again, I pasted it up in my new place. And I still have it up today. This is a poem by Tainat Han called The Good News. They don't publish the good news. The good news is published by us. We have a special edition every moment and we need you to read it. The good news is that you are alive and the linden tree is still there, standing firm in the harsh winter. The good news is that you have wonderful eyes to touch the blue sky. The good news is that your child is there before you and your arms are available. Hugging is possible. They only print what is wrong. Look at each of our special editions. We always offer the things that are not wrong. We want you to benefit from them and help protect them. The dandelion is there by the sidewalk, smiling its wondrous smile, singing the song of eternity. Listen, you have ears that can hear it. Bow your head. Listen to it. Leave behind the world of sorrow and preoccupation and get free. 
the latest good news is that you can do it. And that's by Tay Nathan. The year is 2010. A lot's gone wrong for me this year. I lost my temp job. I had the norovirus at the beginning of the year and I got sacked. It was so bad that I walked in on the Monday morning and there was another temp sat at my desk doing my job and I was told to pack up my things and leave. It was pretty awful. I think the boss thought I was faking the norovirus and I'd just gone home on a Friday afternoon so I could go out drinking. My mental health had gone rapidly downhill. I'd been in hospital in January. I was having an awful time. My relationship had broken up in May. And I suppose the saving grace of the first part of 2010 was that I started a wellness recovery action planning course with the local mind group in Bradford. It was run by a woman who turned out to be a dear friend of mine, Jeanette. I think the rap group's the only thing that's kept me going this year. I've been in a group of people who for the first time are sharing what their mental health problems are. I found acceptance, I found support, love, humour, respect, mercy. Even on the weeks when I've been at my worst and I've behaved badly, at my most unlovable, people have been there for me. And I've watched other people weather the storms of their own emotional lives. I've watched people be vulnerable and unlovable and be accepted in a group. That safe place has been like an incubator for me in 2010. It gives me the courage to find a support worker and to start to get my life together. To begin to look at what I'll do for work, if I'm capable of doing that, and where I'm going to live. What do I need to unpick those huge problems problems that up until now I've pretty much been avoiding. The poem that I've chosen for this period of time is one that I often find people share and refer to when they're talking about recovery from mental health. It was written in the 13th century by Jalaladin Rumi, who was a Persian poet. This poem was written in the Farsi language and so I'm going to use a translation by Coleman Barks. And it was translated and published by Penguin Books in the year 2004. But you can find this poem everywhere. If you just Google it, it'll pop up. One of my favourite iterations of this poem is by the artist who does the Zen Pencils comics. He does these amazing um, comic representations of quotes and poems. And the version that he did for this guest house poem is, is really beautiful and, and worth looking at. You can actually buy it in poster form to hang on your wall. I chose this poem because it's a poem of welcome and acceptance. It's a poem of being hosted and cared for by other people. And it really explains how you might look at your own emotions and your own difficulties in a way that a good host might. It really speaks to that kindness and that willingness to deal with what's happening 
and to learn from it. And as such, I think it's a very powerful poem if you are at a point in your life where you're starting to unpick the bigger problems that you're facing and stand on your own two feet. So this is The Guest House by Jalaluddin Rumi, translated by Coleman Barks. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness, some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all, even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still, treat each guest honourably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. It's 2012. I'm living on the 10th floor of a huge tower block right in the centre of Bradford. It was a fluke that I got the flat. Somebody had moved out suddenly and the housing officer needed a tenant quick. She was keen to sign me up. She thought I looked like the kind of person who would probably pay the rent on time. The block is noisy, it's chaotic and it's on an arterial road that stretches out of Bradford and it's the route that all the police and the ambulances take. There are barely any trees. There's a paved block outside and the tower block has these huge metal doors that slam every time someone forces them open and lets them slam behind them. The word is that the world's going to end this year in 2012, in December. There's an ancient Mayan prophecy apparently that this year is going to be the last one. It's not a particularly easy year for me. I don't really enjoy living alone. I had a boyfriend and we were engaged and then he broke the engagement off suddenly and without much explanation. It was incredibly painful at the time. My family life was falling apart. I wasn't really managing to work. Everything seemed really difficult and very lonely. I didn't find living alone easy at all. If anything, it felt like coming home, shutting a door behind me and being stuck with all the things I'd been trying to avoid. I'd been stable for a year or two, but I was desperately afraid that I might be falling into a relapse and that I'd have to go back to hospital. I didn't have to, in the end. I found a way through. One of the touch points that kept me going was this particular poem, a poem by Derek Walcott. I've always had poems around and about in my flats. I've posted them on fridges or walls or doorways or light switches by the telephone, anywhere that they can remind me to keep going. This is a popular poem. 
If you Google it, you'll find that John Kabat-Zinn has read it. It's a fantastic reading if you're into John Kabat-Zinn's mindfulness. If you put the title of this poem into YouTube and type in Tom Hiddleston, the actor who plays Loki in the Thor movies, you'll get to hear a rather yummy version of him reading this poem. But this is a poem about looking after yourself. It's a poem about coming back and encountering who you are and learning to be with yourself and learn from yourself. And in the years that I lived alone in a place that was really quite stressful and, and difficult, this poem was a touch point for me, which is, I guess, why I chose it. This poem is by a poet called Derek Walcott. Derek was born on the island of St Lucia, which is in the British colony of the West Indies. And although he was trained as a painter, he turned to writing as a young man. In fact, his first poem was published in the local newspaper at the age of 14. Walcott was, knew that he was a poet, and he knew that so confidently that he borrowed $200 at the age of 19 so that he could print his first collection of poems, which he distributed himself on street corners. Derek Walcott knew who he was, he knew what he wanted to write about, and he spent his time going between the Caribbean and New York and Boston. His poems focus on the themes of language and power and place. And this particular poem is one that I always find emotional to read because it, it speaks of a kind of self-acceptance that I was terrified I might never find. I believed I couldn't ever cope with living alone and looking myself in the mirror at the end of the day and ever being happy with who I was and what I'd gone through. I really didn't think I'd ever have self-esteem or self-respect and that kept me up at night. I worried that if I couldn't love myself, nobody else would ever love me and so I'd just spend the rest of my life feeling unloved. I'm pleased to report that in 2013 I met the man who I've been in a relationship with for at least seven years now. I did find love and I've also managed to love myself or at least begin to. And this poem that used to be something I aspired to and feared I might never find has become something that means quite a lot to me and feels like part of my life. And so this is Derek Walcott's poem, Love After Love. The time will come when, with elation, you will greet yourself, arriving at your own door, in your own mirror, and each will smile at the other's welcome and say, sit here, eat. You will love again the stranger who was yourself. Give wine, give bread, give back your heart to itself, to the stranger who has loved you all your life, whom you ignored for another, who knows you by heart. Take down the love letters from the bookshelf, the photographs, the desperate notes, peel your own image from the mirror, sit and feast on your life.
The year is 2014. I'm moving in with the man that I met in 2013. The man who I love. The greatest man I know. And I've left the tower block. That big, ugly, huge flat of chaos and mess and dirt. And I've moved to a more rural area out of Bradford and into Kirklees. There is grass around me now. I have a garden. It's a patch of flower bed outside my window, but I do have a garden. There are trees all around, and I count the different kinds. There's birch trees, lime trees, chestnut trees. I live next door to a farmer's field. And an underground stream. I live near the route of the new railway line that used to go from Heckman Wyke to Leeds. I suddenly find myself in a world where I'm connected to nature again. It's still not easy. I'm trying to get psychological therapy for the trauma that I'm plagued by. And I've lost my job. I tried to go back part-time and just completely crashed out and failed. And that's been really difficult. The psychiatrist that I'm now seeing doesn't think I have bipolar and wants to take my lithium medication away from me and I've cut my dose and now I'm starting to relapse again. I find it really hard to adjust to living with somebody else and living in a new place and I'm stressed about money and benefits. That being said, it's wonderful not to be on my own anymore and now I have nature around me and a dog, and I walk the dog each day. When I'm really worried, when things are really getting on top of me, I'll take the dog, and we'll go to one of the local fields, and we'll just sit. On the really bad days, I'll call the Samaritans and have a bit of a cry, and I'll cuddle the dog while I'm sat out in the grass. On other days, I just go out and watch the birds, watch the wildlife, walk past the farm and see the goats and the sheep and the pigs and I feel I feel like I'm part of the world again I feel like maybe things are going to be okay the poem that I've chosen for this part of my life is by Wendell Berry it's called The Peace of the Wild Things it's very short and it's very simple and it has a, a slightly spiritual quality to it but I also find it to be very practical because it's about that simple act of just stepping out into nature and just having a break from what's happening on the inside and just reaching out and reconnecting to what's happening on the outside. It's going to take me a couple of years, but I'm going to learn that mental health is physical as well as mental. I'm not just a brain. I'm a brain and a body. And the more I can reconnect with that body and the sensory information that comes in, the calmer my body is going to be. And nature and being out in nature is going to be a part of that. So I offer you this poem, not just as a comforting spiritual poem, but also as a poem that reminds us that our flesh is important, our bodies are important. What we feed our bodies with in terms of the air and the sounds and the sights and the smells and the food what we nourish ourselves with is also really important to recovery. So, this is The Peace of the Wild Things by Wendell Berry 
from the New Collected Poems, published by Counterpoint in 2012. When despair for the world grows in me, and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water, and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things, who do not tax their lives with forethought and grief. I come into the presence of still water, and I feel above me the day-blind stars waiting with their light. For a time I rest in the grace of the world, and I'm free. The year is 2020, and it's today, right now. I'm sitting here thinking about a poem that might sum up where I am right now and what I hope will happen for the future. I've decided that I'm going to choose a poem by Nikita Gill. Nikita Gill is an Indian English poet. She writes fantastic poetry on Instagram. I saw a play of hers at the beginning of the year at our local theatre with a friend of mine and um, our project has bought a few copies of Nikita Gill's books. Um, I'm reading this from Wild Embers and that was published by Orion Books. This poem is called Reinvention and I want to end with it because I think it's hopeful and it, it sets a spark of inspiration and hope for the future, which I think is something we all could do with as we move out of lockdown and begin to think about what the rest of this year might bring us. So this is Nikita Gill, Reinvention. Reinvent yourself over and over again. Plant new wildflowers into your spirit. Set a wildfire inside yourself and then regrow. Take the wildest thing about you and nurture it until it blossoms. Tend to the sea that resides inside your heart and listen to its storms wash you anew. How else will you let go of everything that causes you such terrible harm if you're still living inside the old you, the person who was so damaged by it all? Because it's the end of the podcast and because I can, I'm going to read another from Nikita Gill from this particular anthology called Wild Embers by Orion Publishing. It's called Three Versions of You and I bring it to groups a lot because I think it speaks to the different things that are happening within us and the different possibilities that we have ahead. If you're somewhere on your recovery journey that doesn't feel this optimistic, if you're back where I was 14 years ago, if you feel like you're just clawing your way through and nothing ever seems to change, then I hope this poem brings you a little bit of solace. I hope that it reminds you that there are other yous 
future you that will thank you for anything you can do for yourself today that might bring you forward. And so this is Nikita Gill, three versions of you. There are three versions of you, the one that smiles and laughs with the others, the one that hides and cries alone, and the one that has the ability to achieve greatness. These are like three roots that emerge from a sapling. You must find a way to grow into a single enlightened being like a wise old oak. And you will bear the fruit of every happiness that eludes you. So I'm going to bring this podcast to an end. And I wish you every happiness that eludes you. And I know that we all have greatness within us. I know that we can all reinvent ourselves and that given the right circumstances, given the right people, given a chance to accept what's happening within ourselves, we can begin to deal with the struggles in front of us and with the things that we're dealing with inside our heads and our bodies. And that change is possible. Nothing will stay the same forever. So I hope you're doing well. I hope that you're looking after yourself and that whatever is ahead of you this week, you can treat yourself with kindness and respect and love and know that you're not alone and that I'm with you in solidarity, as are all our volunteers and staff on the Words in Mind project. You can find us on Facebook at Kirkley's Bibliotherapy Words in Mind um, and you can also contact us via the Facebook page or the email address that you'll find there. I hope this week is a good one and stay tuned for the next episode. Bye.